Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, and it's the recess edition with Chad on vacation, so Chris and I have the control board. So what should we do wrong first, Chris? Uh, just push everything up to 11 first. There you go. And, we, we, uh, we, what, we could spend an hour what? making fun of Chad's accent. <laughs> yeah, that's, we should do the whole show in in uh, Wise County accents. That's what we uh, we could just do the whole thing with a southern drawl. <laughs> if I was, if I was gonna do the to... southern drawl though thing, I should probably should have started drinking about four or five hours ago because I Yes, exactly. The more uh, I drink, maybe, the more southern I sound, so maybe watch a Dukes of Hazard episode or two. There you, go, there you go, there you go. I like that idea. They're just some good old boys. It didn't really mean any harm. No, they did not. But any show that had Waylon Jennings doing the theme had to have been all right. 100%. So following the Chad model, though, let's start off and talk about the, the gazillion tra- the gazillion of transactions the Reds made this week. Um, Art Warren, who, as much as we make fun of him here, has been one of the Reds' most effective relievers. Went yeah, on the, yeah. Went on the DL on uh, seven fifteen with a with a left oblique strain. Up so is that co- one of those bad oblique strains that it's going to be like the whole season nagging him, or is it just like a little thing? He'll be fine. I have no idea. He went to. I have no idea. I, all I heard, I didn't even know he went on the DL till I read this. He, uh, I mean, but he has been pretty effective. I mean, he's thrown 14 innings. He's, he's got 21 strikeouts. He's only given up three runs. Now, I couldn't find anywhere they told me anywhere anything about inherited runners, but his whip is, like, just barely over one, and he's averaging, you know, 13.2 Ks a nine. I mean, that's pretty strong. Yeah, he's done a good job. I mean, I've had a couple laughs at his expense, I suppose, but uh, he's been he's been one of the few Reds relievers, and, again, it's a small sample, but – who's actually been pretty consistently effective when he's in there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the oblique strain. That, that I don't remember five years ago ever hearing of a, an oblique strain. What? I feel like Barry Larkin or somebody missed, like, months and months with an oblique. And I may be confusing that with his sports hernia, whatever that was. Yeah, could be. Another strange injury you never hear about. But I feel, just feel like it was one of those things, like, kind of like the hamstring, which I guess we'll get to. Where it can just nag and nag and nag because it's you can't really rest it like you could a yeah like you could rest a shoulder yep so then then the next day they activated Mikey Lorenzen and moved the Blandino to the sixty day and the weirdest thing I mean and we'll, and we'll talk more about the Lorenzen thing as we move along here but the weirdest thing to me was they activated him on Friday but then they didn't pitch him Friday or Saturday while the bullpen was falling apart. Well, and that confused me even more in the game when he did come in because they had apparently treated him with kid gloves for for two or three days for for no reason that was discernible. It was just all very confusing. Like, all these moves that we're going to go through, and there are a lot of them, like, none of them really, they don't add up to anything well, it, other than the, scrambling. The, the, uh, the deck chairs on the Titanic comes mm-hmm. to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 18th, they activated Sonny Gray and sent Lopez back down to Louisville. I mean, he was 5 for 17 while he was here. I mean, I think he was just a victim of options, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think they like him. Um, and I think they, they probably like him uh, better than they like Shogo Akiyama at this point. But, uh, you know, one guy can go and one guy can't. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, why do they keep, hold on to Freeman and send Lopez down? But it's a matter of options. You wouldn't want to risk losing Mike Freeman. Yeah, I, you know, that could turn the, the tail of the season. <laughs> Tongue firmly in cheek. Oh, my gosh. Mike Freeman's 33. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't almost, it'll be 34 in a, in a week or so. So happy birthday, Mike. But I, it ain't going to happen for Mike. Like, what you see is what you get. And, and this is, and, and Chad and I say this all the time, and I know you and he do too. At least if it's a young guy, he's probably going to get better, or at least he's got yeah. an opportunity to get better. If he, if you're 33, like you said, you are what you are. Yeah. Whoa. On the 19th, they brought up Edgar Garcia, who had been he's, he's you know he's 24 years old and he's on his fourth team already. Yeah, that guy didn't have a good night. 
No, and then he had yeah. Then he conceded and con- turned around and got racked up. Then they they then you know they had to put Mikey back on the DL with his hamstring, and and we you know we've talked a little bit about that. But is that you think that's some kind of record? Like, <laughs> it might be. I mean, as far as like how long we waited on him to get healthy and how big it was hyped up and everything else. And I mean, I was personally, and I kind of got uh, got into it with a couple people on Twitter who disagreed, but. I really had a problem with them the way they used him that night. I just – Mike Lorenzen is a good hitter for a pitcher, but he is not a good major league offensive outfielder. Like, right. it's, it's, a, it's a cool novel. You know what I mean? It's like it's a, it's a horse that can count, but you're not going to hire him to teach math at college. Like it's it's a nice little novelty thing, but when they're putting him in the lineup ahead of real players, I don't understand it, and it risks the guy getting hurt. And everyone's like, "Well, it could have happened anytime." Well, it did happen when he was running the bases, which he hadn't done in a year and a half. So maybe it was a fluke, and maybe not. But why? Again, a guy they took two days to even get him onto the field. So there's some reason that they were trying to be careful with him. And then they just went out there and started, you know, using him all over the place. And I, now you don't have a pitcher. You know, you got an you got a, you got a outfielder and a pinch runner for a couple innings, but now you don't have a pitcher. Yeah, to I, me, when they're so scarce of the bullpen, they should have taken better care of their toys. Yeah, I, I, you know, I tend to think, you know, the, the, I, I tend to lie on the, you know, it was a freak accident kind of thing, but I absolutely see your point. We don't have enough good arms in this bullpen to risk them in ways that we didn't need to risk them. So, yep. so Mikey, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> it didn't look good, did it? I mean, I wouldn't expect him back for a while. No, and then and the weirdest thing was, if you read his comments afterwards, he talked about being dehydrated. Oh, no. I didn't see that. <laughs> he talked about being dehydrated. He said, because the humidity here is so much different than Arizona and blah, 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 blah. And he didn't have time, you know, between pitching and then running to the outfield. But he didn't have time to, you know, drink anything. I'm like, oh, please. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's, you know, this is what I wonder about these guys who are like so, like a like a thoroughbred racehorse, who are so fine-tuned and trained to a, the, the nth degree. Are they also so like fragile that failing to have the proper uh, amount of ounces of the proper hydration in in a fifteen minute thing is going to like make them fall apart like that? Well, it throws the chemistry so far off that <laughs> yeah, I, I, just all you, parts. You never just heard fall about you car. never heard about Joe Nuxall uh, straining <laughs> a hamstring, running the bases, or, or getting a left oblique strain. No, you did. Because it wasn't in that good a shape. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> I, like I tell people about myself, you can't really, you can't really strain fat. That's right. I'm, I'm a shape. I'm in shape. Rounds a shape. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the same time, they called up R.J. Alonce. Or is that? Am I pronouncing his name right? Uh, I think it's Alanes. Alanes. A 29-year-old on his fifth organization, and to, to do it the way Chad does, he's already been released by Houston, Detroit, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. <laughs> Alanis. Alanis, thank you. And and Perez got sent back to Louisville again. Uh, I hope he's getting frequent flyer miles. <laughs> I doubt it. All I know is those guys, I saw something the other day talking about how how much money they, like the difference in salary when they go down for three days versus stay up for three days and all that stuff, it gets, it's real money for those dudes. Like, you know, a, a day's worth of a $600,000 salary versus a day's worth of a $60,000 salary. Plus, plus major league meal money and, and, you know, and per yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they, so. uh, they designated Jose De Leon for assignment. Anything to say about Jose De Leon? <laughs> This season is gonna is really racking up the obscure the future obscure former Reds. Yeah, we, you could fill out a roster on them just on this year alone. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, they sent Gutierrez down on the twentieth down to Louisville, and they and they brought up Ashton Godot, who was then sent down the following day. <laughs> Speaking fair. of your one day thing. It, now, is is the idea for Gutierrez they want to keep him starting 
I, I don't know. I have not read that. anything about him getting sent down. Um, I have not. I've not. I've been fairly impressed with him. I know he's. You know, he struggled, but I like the way he looks on the mound. I think he's got good stuff. I think he could be something. He's he's certainly better than a lot of the guys we've seen, uh, including one of the guys we saw pitch this week. Yes, who was activated on the twenty first when Godot was sent back to Louisville. He got that one day of major league meal money and and major <laughs> league salary, and you know probably got a, probably got to you know eat in the Reds clubhouse, but got got a good right. meal while he was here. You know, so got a good seat there in the bullpen. Yeah. Anyway, so. As I said earlier, this all kind of seems like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic to me. But do any of these moves to you, other than the Loren- activating Lorenzen and activating Sonny Gray, do they mean anything? No, I mean, they really were just shuffling the 25th and the 26th spot on the roster. Yeah. Like no, a different guy. Every day. And I've seen teams doing this more and more. I mean, the Dodgers have done it for a few years where they effectively have about a 28 or a 20 man, 29 man roster where they just. If a guy, once a guy pitches a little bit, they push him off the roster and bring in a fresh guy. Not exactly what the Reds were doing. Right. But yeah, don't, there's no other reason to do what they did. Yeah, Chris Welsh has talked about this when he's been on basically that thing. But there's only two ways that works. One is you have to have a number of really good young relievers that have options. And the other is they have to be good. Right, right. <laughs> is there still a rule that if you, like, I guess there's not a rule that you have to be on the roster for more than a day? Apparently not, because Gudosier wasn't. No, no. I think you can't be recalled fast. Oh, they have to stay down for a while. I okay. think it's I think it's you have to stay down for 10 days or something. I, but I'm bad. not even positive of that. And maybe there's exceptions for somebody gets hurt or something. Yeah, or, or if you got to get Jeff Godot or Jeff Hoffman onto, onto the roster, you know. Then. So, so let's talk about that for a minute. What the heck? Like, it feels like they went to a six-man rotation purely for the purposes of giving, like, finding a way to get Jeff Hoffman into the game. Well, like Bell talked about, and I didn't really understand it, and I'll be really, I didn't study what he said because a lot of what Bell says I let go in one ear and out the other. Same. But, but he talked about getting, I think it was Miley and Miley extra days rest because they weren't, because they, they didn't get as much rest. They would have been pitching on short or something like that. And I didn't really understand it. And, and we all knew it was bullshit uh, because they just, because he wanted to get Jeff Hoffman back in the rotation. They just had an all star break, first of all. Right. So everybody skipped a turn last week. And yeah, I, I mean, I. I and why they feel like, and why they feel like they, you know, that Jeff Hoffman is the answer to anything, <laughs> is a question to right. me. You're asking the wrong question. Yeah, if that's if Jeff Hoffman is the answer, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> the, yeah, the only Tyler Malley would have started on on four days rest if he'd started yesterday. So he'd have started a day short. He'd have been a day. Well, a, oh, four days of rest. It would have been his fifth oh, day. Oh yeah, it would have been his normal. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. I. I mean, you know, it's another sign of this team not really being committed to doing everything they can to win the division. Yes. And and I think, and, and Chan and I talked a little bit about this in the past, because I don't think any of us have been banging on David Bell as much as we did last year. But True. I think David Bell is, is doing the best he can with what he has. And when it comes to the pitching staff, Especially the bullpen, that ain't much. No, I, yeah. And I, like, I, I'm not, I, I, there's things to criticize David Bell about, but the, none of them are nearly as important as criticizing whoever is responsible for this bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you, you can criticize him for the Lorenz, not using Lorenzen on Friday or Saturday while the bullpen was falling apart. You can, you can criticize him for using uh, Castellanos on Sunday, or was that Monday? I think it was Monday. Monday. Same with Lorenzen, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and the same thing with the way you used, you know, but but like you said, if you're going to take shots at this team, the, what's, what's going on in the field isn't the major, isn't the big the biggest yeah. story. The the deck chairs are not the problem with this particular show. Right. <laughs> we, it's the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, the only the only good news coming out of all these transactions, and this isn't really a transaction yet, but the Reds said that this week Nick Senzel is going to start his rehab in Louisville. 
and he's going to play center field and shortstop. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a that's a weird one, isn't it? Like all these years, they weren't willing. Even this year, they weren't willing to try him at shortstop, despite having a clear hole there that would have seemed we all thought was logical. Well, why not? Why not play him there? Why not try him there? And uh, you know, I guess I, I guess I'm glad they're finally going to come around and try. I am completely uh, in the got to prove it uh, category for Nixon Zell now. I I am not anticipating his return. I'm not excited for his return. I am I will be excited when he plays three weeks and plays well. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I, I really wish the best for the kid. You know, you know, from what Chad has spent time talking to him like that. It says he's a sure. really, really, really good kid. So I wish him nothing but the best, but my expectations could not be a whole lot lower. I just don't think the kid can stay healthy, and, and that's not his fault. Yep. I, I'll be honest with you. I had the same, and I, you know, I'm showing my age here, but I had the same problems with Eric Davis. Only Eric Davis was a different level of player. But I, I, my frustration level with Eric Davis when he was playing because he couldn't stay healthy was was like kind of like that. Now, I, when yeah. you knew when he was playing, he was going to play well. But, you know, I, I, you struggle with guys. That, and and you, I'm starting to wonder if Lorenzen's going to kind of be the same thing. You know, he's always so out of shape. I don't know how he ever gets on the mound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, do, I kind of do think that with him. I mean, you could, like with Lorenzen specifically, I mean, you get to such a high level of training and it's like there's no, I don't know, the dude is like, Ripped. Clearly ripped and just like muscle upon muscle, but there's a lot of things that can, like I said, my my body is very has a lot of margin for error. Yeah, I've I, I, I've never pulled my belly. No, no, not at all. I've, I've never been able to perform. I'm able to perform sitting in a chair. That's right. But yeah, Senzel. I mean, like I totally agree with you. I'm like I don't wish him well. I don't judge him for it. But I'm just, I'm just not going to count on him being able to play. Yeah, no expectations. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a, that's, a and that's a damn shame because of you know how highly he was anticipated and the you know the credentials he had coming into the minor leagues and what he did you know in the minor leagues. Yeah. Number, Number two, two overall, overall player. player. Yeah, and and you know I, it's just it's 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 a shame, um, and and you have to believe on in, in in his point in his from his possession or his uh, point, at some point that has to get in your head. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. That you can't stay healthy, and then when you get healthy, you know you can't get it stand the lineup long enough to develop any rhythm, and you know at some point I would think it becomes a, a mental block. I yeah, and you know all these guys who make it this far have mental skills and confidence that is so far beyond the you know the normal kind of question myself that I have. But you're right; it's got to it's got to start to weigh on the guy, and it's like what's you know, does he does he walk down the street and, and look up for air conditioners to fall on his head or or anvils? Like, does he just feel like he's cursed, or is it just, well, I'll I'll rehab from this one and then I'll be fine for the rest of my life? I, I don't wonder what's going through his head. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you know, it, it, I would think he doesn't accept any deliveries from Acme. <laughs> Exactly. He, 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 probably, probably some, some sort, sort of curse, curse on this. On this, on this that's guy, right. he, maybe he, maybe Pedro Bourbon met him at some point and didn't like it. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. So anyway, moving into the Reds' wonderful week they've had. They we're coming out of the All Star break. They've won nine of eleven. They took three out of four from the Brewers in Milwaukee, and they got all this momentum. And yeah, not so much. Not so much. I mean. Two out of the, you know, game one against Milwaukee, against Milwaukee, Molly has a terrible start. The bullpen's even worse. Uh, Castellanos takes a pitch off the wrist, which we've now found out. I don't, I, don't, I'm, I don't know if you heard this today. Now they're saying it's a microfracture. I saw that. I don't know if that's, I mean, it's obviously not good. But I, I heard, well, I, I, saw some, I saw something on Twitter late today. They've got him in a, they said he was in a soft cast and he'll be out probably about two weeks. I, I eh, I'm not going to sit and bash the medical staff, but like I don't. I, whatever was broken was broken that night when they took an X-ray of it. And they said it was it was not broken. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Maybe it's easy to miss that kind of thing. And, and, you know, maybe a micro fracture, maybe the swelling. You can't see it. Hell, I don't know. Uh, yeah, 
but, but that's a shame because they they well I mean maybe not I mean if he's out for two more weeks then he the the messing around for a couple of days in the DL right didn't make a difference yeah if, if if it ends up being two weeks if it ends up being well, that's the other thing that this team they play short I mean there was no doubt that when he didn't play you know at all over the weekend and it wasn't going to start on Monday so now you're four days in. Why, are you going to play short for three or four more days? Yeah, are well, you, and the Red—that's just perfect Reds attitude. Yeah, well, especially when they've already got sixteen pitchers on the roster. Yeah, and and they, they run out of position play, players constantly. I well, they run out of everything, and part of it, I think, teams have stopped. Like managers are clearly managing to this extra innings idea that like the game is absolutely going to be over in. 10 innings. Yeah. And they don't have any plan for what happens after that. You've seen it a couple times when they've gotten to the 12th and they're about to put a position player on the mound in a tie game. And I mean, you look at that game Saturday night, that game took four hours and 37 minutes to play 11 innings. And the Reds had five hits in four hours and a half. Yeah. And, but the, you know, David Bell used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitchers. And that's with a three batter rule. And that's with a three batter rule. <laughs> Which I hate. And, but you know how many you know how many batters face uh, what did I say, eight pitchers? Four of them. Four of those guys faced three batters only. So what in the heck? Like what? What would he have done without the three batter rule? I, I just, it, whatever that rule was supposed to do isn't working for David Bell. And they just, I mean, part of it's the guys aren't effective, but like, I don't know. Why do these guys have to pitch one inning and come out of the game? And, and, he's, and, and to be fair, this year he's not been as bad about double switching guys out. No, other than yeah, the Lorenzen thing was the only one that yeah. day. But but he doesn't do it regularly like he did last year. Last year it was like a little league game when everybody had to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the bullpen on Friday night threw through four and two thirds, gave up six hits, six runs, all of them earned. That's not a good night for the bullpen. No, and then on Saturday night was was even worse. Yes, it was. I mean, Castillo looked fabulous. Five, yeah, he goes six innings, five hits, no runs. Right. The bullpen goes five innings. Seven runs, four earned, ten hits. Not, yeah, yeah. I mean, just set the place on fire. Yep. And and, and, and as we said earlier, no Lorenzen either night as the bullpen's mm. burning down. Well, no, Lorenzen pitched Saturday. That's the game when he got hurt. Well, I thought that was Sunday. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I just saw it in the box score. Yeah. Yep, you're right. I'm sorry. And then Sunday, Sonny Gray was terrible. Yep. And the, and the Reds, you know, didn't didn't even score a run. Uh, yeah, I mean that one. They just, they got smoked. Yeah. They they ran into a buzzsaw. And but you know what? You still got to you know hit the ball and pitch the ball. And and Sonny Gray was not good. And and if we have if Molly turns south and Gray turns south, we're done. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and, you know, right, that's and those are icebergs. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, you know, over one start. But I'm just saying, if. Uh, so over the weekend, the bullpen went 14 and a third, gave up 21 hits, 16 runs, 13 earned. That's an ERA of over eight. Well, it didn't get any better <laughs> Monday night. Well, the other thing I noticed, and I, I looked at it in this in the series against the Brewers. You aren't going to beat many people when India goes two for eleven, Winker goes one for thirteen, Votto goes one for eleven, Suarez goes one for ten, and your hitting leader for the weekend is Farmer going three for eight. Yeah, they didn't play. They didn't play well. They could have. They could have snuck out with that game. Well, they they had the game on. They could have won the game on Friday until uh, Osich yep. and Hendricks set the place on fire. Yep. And then Saturday they lost in, in extra innings. So, like that's the thing they they didn't hit well, but they were in two of the three games. You know the thing with the bullpen, it's like I 
I suppose what Bell was thinking is I'm going to use seven relievers in this game because none of these are very, guys are very good. I'm going to get a matchup if I can, and then I'm going to get out, get them out of there before they're before they melt down. But you roll the dice so many times with bad relievers, and one of them's going to blow up every night. Odds are, and if you let seven of them pitch, at least one of them is going to blow up. Yep. Um, then, like you said, like we said, then Monday Gutierrez was bad in the bullpen again. Seven innings, nine hits, nine runs, seven earned. Gave up four home runs. Reds pitchers Monday night gave up seven home runs, and the Reds scored eleven runs, but only four of them were earned. And they had sixteen hits, and, and the Mets made four errors, and they only got four runs. Or they only got four earned runs. They only got eleven runs. So, I, you know, four. And then Miley threw a really good game on Tuesday. Isn't it funny that he's he's probably the most consistent pitcher they have on this team? Well, he, and he's and you know, if you if you go by wins above replacement, he's their MVP. Is that right? Yeah, he's he leads the team in in wins above replacement with five. Well, good for him. You know, Castillo and Miley Castillo in June has got an ERA of one point seven six in fifty six innings. But he's only two and two, and the team is five and four in his starts. Miley for the season has an ERA of one, an ERA plus of one seventy four, and leads the team and wins above replacement at five with five. It's according to Baseball Reference. Now Miley's making eight million. He's, they got a team option for him for next year at ten million. Do they? Do you think they pick up the option, or do they trade him at the deadline? That's, That's a good, a good question, question because, because he, well, I mean, we'll see in the next few days, but he's, uh, I mean, that's a good price. I didn't realize he's almost 35, but uh, I feel like that's a good price for a quality starting pitcher who's going to give you 175, 180 innings this year. And, and, you, and, and you're only having to do one, you know, pick him up for one year, only pick up the team option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could, yeah. To me, that seems like a good deal. You could always trade him again. Yep. I did find it interesting, though, that Bell brought in Garrett in the ninth for the save on, on Tuesday with his 13.5 ERA in the ninth, and, and he's given up five home runs and 40 plate, appearance, plate appearances. Yeah, in the ninth. yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting. He did he pitched very well. I uh, once, once, once Derek Johnson went out there after he threw five straight balls. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, maybe he should just talk, say that, whatever you said to him, just say that to him before he goes out there. Yeah, say it in the dugout. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But the thing, and even though they won Tuesday, I have to bring up the horrendous base running. Aquino got caught between first and second to end an inning, and then in the, I think it was the seventh, Suarez led off with a ball that came a foot from going out and gets thrown oh. out at third base trying to stretch a double into a single with no outs. I mean, that's just stupid. It was really both of them. I don't know what Aquino was thinking. No, I don't either. Suarez... I mean, that's just, you know, I know everyone likes to question the the stereotypical, you know, the, the, the established rules of baseball. You know, never make the first or third out at third base. Yeah. And so now, you know, we all we all question or try to be smarter than the traditional rules of baseball. But that's a pretty darn good rule. And <laughs> I, I went and looked that up. And when you when you you sort it all out, you know, the. The, the difference between success and failure, you basically have to have about a 77% chance of success to take to take that chance with nobody out to try to go from second to third. And if you're not going to have like almost an 80% chance of getting there, it's a mistake and you're it's a it's bigger risk than the reward. And I just don't see how, I don't know what he saw. And I don't know if the third base coach waved him over, but to me, and the, and the play was in left center field. I mean, so he saw it as he was making the turn at second base. Yeah, you know, the ball kicked off, and by the time the guy picked the – the thing was, by the time the guy picked the ball up, he was really shallow. He, was, he, he had to come back towards second yes. base, towards the infield, to pick it up. And I think that's why it was – why he was dead, because the guy didn't have to throw it very far. Yeah, the Mets center fielder made a really nice play. I mean, he made a really hustling play to get back to the ball and – but it's just it wasn't a smart play, and, and we're not good enough to play that dumb a baseball and win ball games. No, 
So, and then the last game against the Mets, Jeff Hoffman started, and the Reds got one hit, so, you know. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, Stroman, Stroman's good. I always wanted the Reds to get Stroman, and they didn't, and that's what happens when you go against Stroman. He, he'll dominate you sometimes. Yep. Let's, let's cover a couple other things, and then we'll go to viewer mail, if that's okay. That sounds great. Um, quick on the Castellano injury. Can this team stay in contention with him on the bench for two weeks? If Jesse Winker comes back to life a little bit and uh, Tyler Naquin stays hot, yeah, I guess. But he's Castellanos is really good, man. Yeah, he's and Winker really good. and Winker has his. I, I looked this. I, I I knew that Jesse had been struggling, and I'm a big Jesse Winker fan. And in the last month, his numbers are 170, 270, 284 with two home runs. And his numbers, I mean, go, all of his numbers have decreased every month since April. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking here. His season numbers are worse than they were last year, other than batting average. Yeah. Uh, That's, yeah, you know, it's kind of been quiet because he's had a couple big hits, but, uh, you know, gosh, yeah, he's struggling. The flip side of that, though, I think is Jonathan India. The more I watch this kid, the more I like watching him play. And since they put him in the leadoff spot, he's been a revelation, I think. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, and I, I wasn't a big believer in him. His minor league numbers were never right. anything spectacular. So I was like, well, another failed draft pick? What's the deal? But, gosh, he is uh, he is fun to watch. You know, I don't. I think guys like to talk about things like energy and, and personality a little bit. But he he's legitimately seems like he is uh, – providing a boost to his teammates just the way he plays and the way he goes about things. And I heard uh, Trent Rosecrans on the, the radio broadcast yesterday, I think, or might have been Tuesday, talking about India and how, like you said, how he really jumped after they put him in the, the leadoff spot. And, and you know, there's a couple theories they were talking. One was, well, he, he just – you just need to ask him to do a certain thing. And the thing they asked him to do was get on base – and so he decided to get on base. And the other interesting theory was that he's very uh, almost like a nervous guy pacing around the dugout and so forth. And by, by getting him into the game immediately, it kind of uh, it, it helped him focus and helped him kind of get comfortable in a game by being the first batter of the game. And, and you, know, you know, like they see a, a quarterback needs, needs to yep. take contact. Like that kind of a deal is how I heard it. Well, his, for the season, his OPS Plus is 113, which I would not have predicted going into the season, that he'd be 13% over average. But but since he went, took over the leadoff spot, his numbers are 298, 447 in on-base percentage. 454 slugging. He's got a 901 OPS since going into the leadoff spot, and, a, and that's 180 plate appearances. So, that, I mean, that's it's still a small sample size, but it's not a tiny small sample size. No, and, and if you look at the thing, he's the fourth in the major leagues in on-base percentage. You think he's got a chance at rookie of the year? You know, I, I think he should. I think the, you know, those things are always so weird. It's always so narrative-driven with, with rookie of the year. And yeah. I feel like there's always a pitcher who has a good year and, and kind of gets an inside track on that stuff if there's not a clear, a clear runaway winner of it. Yep. I wanted to talk about the Reds' attendance because, you know, all of us have talked about the, the tightness of the front office and the ownership and and how frustrated we are by it. And I think the Reds drew over 100,000 people for the Brewers series, and they drew over 56,000 for a weekday series with the, that it included a day game that drew 20,000 against the Mets. Here's my question to you. Is this Reds fans just enjoying having a competitive team that are blind to what we're calling the Castellini greed? <laughs> or, as my wife says, after COVID, do people just want to get out of the house? <laughs> I think it might be the latter because, I mean, if you look in the Cubs series, now they always draw well, but the Cubs series before the break, over the holiday, they drew real well that weekend too. Yeah, but Chicago, when they play here on the weekends, they always and. But the, the Braves the weekend before, you know, they had, uh, I don't know, 85,000 for that series. And so 
I think people just want to go to ball games again. I mean, I've gone to I've gone to two Columbus Clippers games this week, and I couldn't tell you one player on the roster, but I just wanted to go watch baseball. And I think a lot of people are the same way. And and the Reds are fun. They're they're a fun team. They're an exciting team. They're not a a, a boring team or a losing team. So well, and the other thing is, and and, and as much as we bang on the Castellinis. They have made the experience at the ballpark improved it tremendously while they've owned the team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But here's the, here's my next question to you: What percentage of the people that go to the Reds games go for the games, and what percentage of them go for social reasons? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I I think it's more of the latter than the former. Yeah, I do too. Um. I want to get talk one more thing about that, a little bit more about something on the Reds local media. Um, I was listening to the game. I had the game on TV the other night, and is and I've I've really really am impressed with John Sadak's preparation for the ball games. But I think he really needs to be careful that he doesn't become an apologist for bad performances by this team. I was sitting there listening to him and Larkin the other night talk about how effective Osich has been, and I said really, and I went and looked, and I mean is. ERA plus is 97, which isn't even average. Now, it is 10 better than his career, but he's given up eight runs and seven earned in 12 innings. I mean... <laughs> yeah, let's not go overboard with that. And, and I see and I see Sanek doing this a lot for guys, especially guys coming out of the bullpen. You know, I know he doesn't want to be banging on the players, especially in his first year, but I think he's going to have to be real careful that he doesn't turn into, you know, and I, and I don't mean this in the way it's going to come out, but it turned into George Grant. And George Grant yeah. is a wonderful man, and, and he's a great, you know, I've met him, he's very, very nice. But he never had a bad, you know, he never called anybody out when they needed no, him. No, I agree. Well, the, the thing about George, I'll say, I don't know that George, other than the thing that almost every announcer does where they overpraise the outfielder who was known for having a bad glove when he came to the team, like, there was all those guys, oh, you know, Ryan Ludwig, he has a bad reputation, but he, he really has done a fine job. Other than that, I never felt like George would tell you a guy was good if he wasn't. Yeah, he would just tell you he was a nice person. Yeah, and, and he couldn't tell where the where the alpha, where the warning track started. No, that that's true. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I, that is fair. I think I'm, I've been very impressed by John Sadak. Me too. I think I think um, he'll be better when I think he gets a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd probably be better with Welsh than he is with Barry. I don't think Barry, as an old wrestling you know, saying, he doesn't really help his guy get over very much. Yeah. Uh, but, but um, yeah, that stuff, I don't need that. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I, I definitely didn't like the predecessor's approach of just immediately just being offended by bad play. Like personally offended by someone not succeeding at baseball, that that gets old. But don't tell me that you know the sky is the sky is red when it's blue when I can see it. That part I don't need. Yeah, don't on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I saw something. I did not hear this because I was not listening to the game that night. But I saw something on Twitter that apparently JB was on Johnny Bench was on the broadcast the other night. I didn't see it either, but. Apparently had some comments about ownership. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, he did say something about not getting a shortstop or something like that. Yeah, and, and you know there wasn't a word in the local media about that. Not a word. Yet they wrote an entire article the next day about the Mets announcers degrading Skyline Chili. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you, you know, you got to know what's important. I guess uh, you do. But you, I would think if Johnny Bench had something to say that the media would have you know, given that, yeah. that a little those bit. Are, those are always tricky because the guys who cover the team aren't watching. That's a good point. I never even so thought of that. Somebody has to tell them about it, and then they have to hear about it. And I, I remember when I was in San Diego a few years ago, and uh, when I was living there, and Rick Sutcliffe would periodically do – was like, would be a guest in the booth, or he'd cover a game on the color man, and – he one day had been playing golf with Bill Murray oh my. and and had um, really been enjoying their afternoon. <laughs> had a Joe Nuxall kind of day. And stopped by the stopped by the ballpark and wandered into the booth and 
and nobody really kind of got uh, realized his situation until he was on the air. <laughs> and and were, he, were you he, listening to this game? Yeah. Oh, it was something. Yeah. <laughs> and he was talking. He, he went into this like talk about George Clooney going over to Africa to solve the situation over there, and <laughs> it was it was all it was like a Bill Walton game, but different. Without the pot. But, yeah, but it, and, but the funny like it took it took a while for that story to get through the like local media like it was kind of online and I think Deadspin was writing about it, but the San Diego media didn't they had to like pick it up secondhand because nobody who would write about it was actually heard it. Yeah, I never would I never even thought of that. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, Joe, Knox, Joe Knoxall dropped a beer on it was before we, my wife and I knew each other, but he dropped a beer out of the booth and hit my wife on the head one time. Oh, she, he leaned out and he goes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I'd give anything to listen to him call another game. Uh, you'd be riding in the car and you'd have the game. You'd think you'd, you'd switch over to took the game on and it's so quiet. And it yeah. goes on for like 45 seconds and you're adjusting the, the knob. Turn, you know, the you up. It's a right <laughs> station. Then you turn to another station and it's super loud. Or, or, or you adjust it, and then he said, oh, that one's low and outside, three and two. <laughs> anyway, should we do some... Uh, Let's hear from the viewers. The viewers. I won't call it viewer mail, I'll just to aggravate Chad. We'll see. We'll talk these from our friends at Patreon. Um, oh, but this is... What did, I, what did I look... Oh, this is episode 385. Who would ever believe that we could do this thing for Amazing. 385 episodes? And people would listen. People listen to it. Okay, let's start out here. Joey Gadicha says, hey, Chris and Bill, hope you're both excellent. I'm excellent. Are you excellent, Chris? I'm excellent. Thank Good. you. What is more painful, watching the Reds crumble here after the break or knowing that help for this team isn't likely on the way either? I don't know. It, that, that, the, the lack of help on the way is a very kind of frustrating undercurrent to everything else that happens. It's I can't get too high about anything in this season because I I know there's just no there, there's going to be a time where they run out of fuel and there's no, nothing left in the in the a tank. Yeah, and and you know they three of their three of their best relievers are are hurt now, two of their best hitters are hurt now. You know their other best hitter has been in a slump for at least a month. Uh, it's not ideal. No. You know, but this team is, you know, look at last year. You know, they all of a sudden they turned things around and won, you know, a buttload of games at the end of the year. And who knows? And this division is not, you know, and their schedule is in their favor from basically from here on out. So who knows? But, but I can't get real frustrated about the fact that I know help isn't likely on the way because we knew that all along. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Perry asks, has anyone checked on Nick Crawl? I think he needs a hug. <laughs> I haven't. Have you checked on Nick Crawl? I haven't, but I think he probably does need a hug. I think I, anybody I, in that job working for that fellow would you, probably needs a hug. Now, Chad, and I, and I, I haven't used these exact words, but Chad apologizes for Nick Crawl a lot. But at some point, wouldn't you have to take your self-respect and go home? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, you see that in a lot of a lot of places in, in, in the world, different jobs, and you think the guy's selling himself. Number one, this is the job I've been working for my whole life, and I finally have the chance. And that's what, that's a point that Chad makes. And and I'm doing a pretty good job under the circumstances. And how bad would it be if I quit? And would I be able to get a job somewhere else at, at any any Comp, you know, commensurate right. level. I don't think he would. No, I mean, what what has he done here that would get him another job? Right, he's, he's not. He's, he's not. I mean, even Dick Williams, who had several years of of success ish, um, left left the industry. Right. Yeah. I. I don't think anybody Nick Kroll's family has. Uh, you know, investments and properties and other ventures that he can get work on. Not as far as I know, but, you know, I, I said to Chad, though, at some point, though, when Nick Kroll standing up there behind the podium, he, he reminds me of the guy that was Saddam Hussein's, you know, yeah, Minister of Information. Baghdad, Baghdad Bob? Yeah, yeah Baghdad Bob. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no troops there. That's misinformation. 
Oh, Rex Scott asks, Bill and Chris, thanks for taking our questions. I know this isn't a widely held view, but I remain an Amir Garrett fan because of his skills, size, and attitude. His recent performances also give me hope. I'll be surprised and grateful if we get more bullpen arms for the deadline. From your mouth to God's ears. But think Garrett can be part of its rebirth. What's your take on him, and is there anyone else in that patchwork crew that has any long-term potential? I, I think Garrett what is what he is. I mean, I think he can be really effective against left-handed hitters. I would. Ne- I don't think he can be a closer. I think he's proven he can't pitch in the ninth inning, and, and it's got to be in his. It's got to be mental. I think. I, that's. that's I, I, I think he's very talented. Yep. Uh, but I do think something, at least this year, has gotten in his head, and he can't. He can't throw strikes. He can't. Yeah, I mean, he's just obviously had. He's struggled and struggled. So I do think he's really talented. I think he's as talented as anybody on that roster in that, in that bullpen. And, and so, you know, talk, t- talking about other guys, I, I, the the uh, the guys you know the, the, that I like are, are all hurt. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I like Anton a lot. I think I like, he's and I like really Sims. Good. I do too. I think he's had a little struggle. I wonder... He has the strangest motion, one of the strangest motions I've ever seen. His motion reminds me of Mike Marshall that you spit for the Dodgers. It's not. It's like he short-arms the ball up yes, there. Yes. It's a very strange motion. It's, but It's like that, yeah. Marshall used to teach it. Yep. You know, he was this, like, rogue pitching coach for years and years. Yep. They did a thing on him, on I think, on uh, the, the HBO Sports thing that Brian Gumbel hosts. Oh, the Real Sports. Real Sports. They did a thing yeah. on Mike Marshall. And... and yeah. Famous from ball four. Yep. Well, they had to, his his whole thing was like this straight line delivery where like the arm didn't come wrapping around the body as I understood it was almost like a like a fulcrum like a like a, like a, a, a what is the thing that shoots your you know they, they shot the cow with in Monty Python and Holy Grail like catapult the catapult it's kind of a catapult yeah. thing yeah yeah it's, it's like yeah it's uh, so, so if, if yeah, I don't know if Sims went to Mike Marshall school or something, but uh, but that's kind of what it looks I, like to me. Yeah, the one thing I wonder about Sims is I'm 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 slightly dubious of these guys with the super high spin rate, given the the recent crackdown on uh, Stickem. Yeah, I, I just I don't know if like it's possible that Lucas Sims was a guy who figured it out, quote unquote, by putting pine tar on his finger, and if they don't let him do that anymore, he won't be as effective. See, I worry more about Anton than I do Sims. Okay, that's possible too. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody else in that in that bullpen group that you're that you think has long term potential? Oh gosh, you know, it's, I don't know. You know, you see these guys, and I'm like, well, uh, Santiago's twenty four. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen anything I liked with him really. Some of these other guys, you know, like like Hendricks, I guess. Sometimes these guys, some of these guys look good. Hembry, I guess, he strikes a lot of people out. But then the next day, they get their brains beat in. So yeah. Hendricks is at least only twenty six. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Ronnie, Je- well, we kind of covered Ronnie Jesse's question, but I'll please talk about. Jeff Hoffman starting Wednesday. Why did that happen? Well, <laughs> that's a question we don't. Yeah. Ronnie, we're with you on that question, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Urban asks, "Is this the worst Reds bullpen of all time?" Ooh, I, I can't speak all time, but it's the worst one that jumps to my mind. Yeah, I can't think of one. I mean, all of the bad bullpens, all of them that I can remember. There was at least somebody in there. Right. Yep. Like, what I would kill to have David Weathers. Yeah, because he was good. You know, he would give you two good days out of four, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're like Ross Ollendorf or Jumbo Diaz would be a a good reliever on this team. It's pretty bad. Yet we just keep running the carousel a little. I mean, I mean, these, these guys, guys are, are like a whole bullpen full of J.J. Hoovers. Yeah, and when he was really bad. Bad J.J. Hoover, not the one that started out, but the one right. that went bad. Who is, and I think he's pitching for the Florence Freedom now. 
Is he? The, um, excuse me, they're the Florence Yalls? Oh, the Florence Yalls, the, you know. Or, or did he sign with the... No, wait a minute. I don't know if he's with them, or did he sign with the team that Brandon Phillips is with down in Lexington? Anyway. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Will Alderman asks, guys, is it possible that if Nick Castellano's injury sidelines him for a few weeks, it would be to our benefit for the next few years as he wouldn't have the career year MVP staffs and thus opt out of his contract? Also, we all know that BS Bob isn't going to do anything to improve the team this year. Do you think it's possible he goes for it next year? I Number one, I don't ever want to be so clever where I'm trying to say, like, don't be good this year because it'll – be better next year. You can't do that. Do you think he opts out? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, he does seem to enjoy himself here. I don't, you know, it's success. He hits well in the park, clearly. I don't know. I mean, I guess if he wins the MVP, he does. But I don't know what the market will be like. And and who knows? And and for the second question, I, I don't see any reason to believe that Castellini is going to spend much more money next year, but he won't have the excuse that, you know, he didn't have anybody in the ballpark. No, I don't. Look, I mean, at this point, how can I say this? And even the local media is starting to talk about him not spending any money. Uh, Lance yeah. McAllister is all over him. Even Paul Doherty has is, is addressed it in his columns. I Let, let me, me say this way, the, the best, best way I can try to say it. <laughs> I don't. Here think, comes a lawyer answer. I don't think um, that as time goes by, Bob Castellini is going to be making any decisions that we like better than the ones he's made in the past. Yes, I think that's a very kind way of putting it. Yeah, I think we're, you, what you see is what you get, and yep. it may just get worse. Yes, it, it could. Uh, Kyle Kapler asks, "Are we positive that Nick Crawl is good as his jo- is good at his job?" And we kind of already covered that. The number of head scratching decisions and transaction has me wondering why people like this guy so much. I, I you know, the deck chairs on the Titanic again. I, I is, is all I can say. I don't know. I mean, does anybody like him that much? I mean, I feel like everyone is like neutral at best. Like I'm going to reserve. It's like the strongest praise he gets. I don't know. The, the biggest, the, the like, person that's been most positive about him has been Chad, that I know of. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I, the best I'll say for him is like, I don't know who you're going to get that's better. Right. Yeah. And 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 if you're and, and to be fair, if you're if you're handcuffed by ownership, you could be pull out the name of the best general manager you've ever heard. Right. Of. It, right. it ain't going to make any difference. It's not. It's not. If the deck is stacked against you. Yeah. The differences they can make are is on player development. Because it's hard for an owner to screw that up. Yeah. Unless they mark shot it. Yeah, and and just cut the budget to to nothing. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Seth Shainer asked, The season has been a combination of really fun and infuriating at the same time. (laughs) Yes. Can you remember a year? Can you remember a year like this one? We've had surprising performances like '99 and years when the Reds were supposed to be good but underperformed. I can't recall a year where it's so obvious why the team plays well sometimes, but totally understandable. Bob gave away top relievers when they blow it. I, I, I can't remember a year since I and I started. I started watching baseball and listening to baseball in '68. I can't remember a year now. It's been you know the last 30 years probably that I've paid. The most close, the closest attention, but I can't remember a, te- a year where I felt that ownership completely failed the team like this, like this year. Not in my memory. No, not no, not ownership. I mean, the 06 season is probably the most disappointing one, like the, that I can remember. In terms of the team, should have been pretty good, and it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't. It didn't get things done. And that's the year that Krivsky went out and got Majeski and and Royce Clayton and. And all those dudes, which was just, you know, obviously a disaster. Yeah. But they kind of, they tried, you know. I guess that, that's a good question. No, Is it I better to make a bad trade or no trade, you know? Um, Nicholas Sparks asked, longtime viewer of the podcast, new to Patreon. I hope everyone's doing well as much as the Reds are in need of traditional bullpen help. Might the Reds benefit more long-term with late-season call-ups by having a bullpen game? And having Green, Lodolo, etc., pitch two or three innings apiece. Thoughts? Theore- theoretically, a better look at how their plays, their stuff plays, and a bit more in line with their future roles as starters. 
I don't see the Reds doing that, do you? I don't either, but I mean, if I was going to do it, and if, if, I, if this was this was a video game, anyway, where failure on a human being's career and injuries weren't really a risk and I didn't have to explain it, what I would do is bring both those guys up right now and tell David Bell two or three inning outings out of the bullpen right now. Because I think they'd be better than the guys they've got. Well, and our pitchers, you know, most of our pitchers aren't getting into the seven, into the seventh anyway. Uh, right. I would say, you know, heck, what if you did this? What if you just said, Green, you've got the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And if Tyler Malley doesn't get through the sixth, well, then you use Heath Henry and, and CNL Perez and all these other characters to pitch two innings. Or one inning. Or one inning. Just to get you to the seventh. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, and and you're like, go three innings, dude. Knock yourself out. On a, on a one to we'll ten, come get you if you get in trouble. On a one to ten scale, what do you think the uh, the chances are of of Green being up before the end of the season, with ten being sure and one being no way? I guess two. You you don't think he'll be up before the end of the year? I, I would say, see that. I I would say like seven. I think there's a, a pretty good so. chance he's up here in August. Well, I'd be excited. and But I don't think Lodolo – I think they think Green's got stuff that he could help, really help him in the bullpen. And this is just me, my head. I, I'm not ready. I don't think they see Lodolo as being a help in the bullpen. And, and my guess is they're worried about this blister thing. Well, that could be true. That could be true. But I, I, I like I said, this is just me. It, this is all in my head. It's nothing. Well, so Hunter Green's made six starts. At AAA. And he's pitched, what? No, seven starts at AAA and 41 innings. So I got to think they want to see more than 70 innings out of him above A ball before they put him in the majors. I wouldn't, but everything, the way the, Red, the, way the Reds have developed players over the last 25 years says that he's going to spend can you can you say that last part again Chris you cut out there for just a, you said uh, oh I, I, I said this everything about the way the Reds have developed players over the last 20 years tells me that they want him to spend the rest of the year in AAA but I really hope I'm wrong yeah you know I and again, this may this may show you how intent they are on, on staying competitive and winning this division. Yeah, but wouldn't it all go in a, of a piece? Wouldn't they also be trading guys and trying to bolster the bullpen other than just calling up one guy? One would I mean, think. I don't care how great he is; he's not going to make this into a good bullpen. No. And may you know, and maybe if they bring him and Lodolo up, they think if they think two of them can be you know, successful, that can get them through. I, I don't. Know. We know we know they're not going to do anything that's going to cost them any more money. I mean, we just know that. Right. <sighs> now that we've depressed ourselves, let's we'll, we'll end on a pretty a pretty cool question from Rich Thompson here. He said, "If you had the opportunity to play catch and have a chat with any former former or current Red." Who would it be, and what would you chat with them about? You want me to go first while you think about yeah, go it? go first. Go first. Mine would be, yeah. I think, Bucky Walters. Because I would like to know what it was like to play for the Reds before the Second World War at Crosley Field and to be as good as he was. I mean, he was an MVP. You know, he would have won a Cy Young. They didn't have Cy Young then. And he was just a completely amazing player, and to play on those thirty-nine and forty teams, we don't know, and, and we don't know as much about those as we probably should. I'd like to know about that. I'd like to know about living in Cincinnati. Then I think all those things would be really interesting to talk to him about, and and what baseball was like then, and what it would be like to be a major league baseball player. And he, you know, he was a he was a third baseman at first. Yep, which would be a pretty interesting conversation too. Yep. Yeah, you know, if if you if you want to read a good book about that era and those teams, uh, Billy Werber, who was the third baseman on those 39 and 40 Reds teams, 
He wrote a book late in life that's actually pretty good. Uh, he's a really intelligent guy. He, he uh, after baseball, he went into the insurance business and became a millionaire, basically. What's the name of the book? Uh, I think, let's see, there's three. But Memories of a Ball Player, I think, is the one that I read. And I got it, you know, public library. I think I got it electronically and put it on a Kindle. Cool. But, uh, I'll check that yeah, out. Yeah, he, he went hunting with Babe Ruth and, and or no, he went, played with Bill, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. He was on the Yankees early. And he went hunting with Eisenhower, apparently. So, uh, he's a pretty interesting dude. Yeah. So, so, so what's your answer to this question? So, I'm going to cheat. Okay. Completely cheat. Okay, going off and the grid. I'm taking a guy who played one game for the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Christy Mathewson. Ooh, there you go. But he did manage them. He did manage them. I think that would have been fascinating to learn about those New York Giants teams around the turn of the century and, and you know, John McGraw and all that. And uh, just what the whole thing was like being a, a college-educated guy in a in a Major League Baseball that was a, a odd mix of really educated guys and really uneducated guys. Yeah. I just think that would be pretty interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I want Before we get out of here, I want to hit you with one other thing. And, I, and I'm stealing this from Lance McAllister. And, and he talks about, he, he feels like Major League Baseball misses an oper, a PR opportunity over the All-Star break. And he thinks, you know, they play the Futures game on Sunday, and then there's the, the home run derby on Monday and the all-star game on Tuesday, but there's nothing on Wednesday. Why not move that futures game to Wednesday, promote it through the all-star game. You could even do, you know, the draft that day, even though I, I, I question how much the draft is really a, a draw, but right. I think that's a great idea. I, I do too. Why not? I've never understood why they play the futures game on a day that major league baseball is playing. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Why not do it the next... I mean, I, I don't know. Is there something about the kind of momentum of the event that everyone wants to get out of town after the the main All-Star game? I don't know. But uh, especially now with the extended break, Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I really think they miss an opportunity. And, and let's be honest, Major League Baseball can't afford to miss it to any PR opportunities. No, 100%. Hey, I've got a fact check on the uh, the J.J. Um, Hoover situation. Okay. J.J. Hoover is a member, or at least has been, a member of the Lexington Legends. Okay. Where his teammates are Brandon Phillips. My favorite. And at least, and at, least at some point this season, Tony Singrani. Yeah, and Tony Sing- didn't Tony Singrani get signed by somebody else? I don't know if he, he's, he's, he's also spent time with the Iowa Cubs this year, and I don't know... Which was first? I think he. Would. I think I read that he got signed by a minor league team. It must have okay. been the Iowa Cubs. Well, you know, I watched the Iowa Cubs last night and uh, did not see Tony, but I wasn't looking for him either. <laughs> so, how many how many Columbus games do you go to a year ball ballpark? Oh, just two or three. Do you? But yeah, but you know, once the kids' uh, youth baseball season was over, we've kind of been sitting around looking for things to do and. We really wanted to go to ball games, and so we went down a few days ago with the whole family, and then I went with a friend and his kid last night and my boys. So, you know, it's pretty convenient. Now, last night was a complete disaster because the Columbus Crew was playing uh, in their new stadium, which is just a couple blocks down from the Clipper Stadium. So it was a complete and utter circus in downtown Columbus last night. And Columbus is and Columbus is always known for their great traffic, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have working downtown for a long time. I knew a couple of shortcuts, so I was able to kind of sneak around and and get parked pretty easily. But I ended up sit, standing out front of the ballpark for about forty five minutes, waiting on my buddy to show up. Wow! To hand the tickets over. So, yeah, I haven't gotten up there yet, but I, nobody loves minor league baseball more than me. In fact, we're going we're going to be in Florida next month, and I think we're probably going to either go see Jupiter or Palm County. Because uh, they're real close to where we're staying. And they've got something weird going on down there, and I can't figure out what this is. Like, but the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday games are not open to the public. But the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday games are. What in the world? I don't, I don't know. Not... I, I can't wait to get down there to find out what that's all about. Is that a COVID thing? I don't have any idea. 
I mean, why? Well, that wouldn't make any sense either. I mean, it, no. they're official league games, right? They've yes. got umpires and the scores count. They're not. Yeah, this is a, this is what used to be the Florida State League. Yeah, these aren't scrimmages. These aren't. No, this is regular league games. I wonder if it's just so few people show up that it's not worth the staff. I don't. Yeah, know. it's not worth paying the the ushers and the concessionaires. I don't know. Florida State League, and, and I've gone to a lot of Florida State League games over the years in different ballparks. They're not well attended as a rule. I would imagine. It's probably pretty hot and humid. and. But, you know, when we used to go to Siesta Key in Sarasota all the time. This was when the Reds were playing down there. That's when we saw Clinker playing down there. I saw Joey Votto playing at Sarasota. But they also, those teams, they don't market to, like, the tourists. And most of them are in tourist areas. And, yeah. you know, if, if you're down yeah. there with your kids, you're dying for something to do with your kids at night. You know, they've yeah, been on the beach all day, right. and they don't market to that, and I've never understood why. That's interesting. I don't know why they don't do that. Anyway, so we have proved tonight that we really don't need Chad to do this. No, Chad's fired. <laughs> it's been great talking to you, Chris. You too, Bill. Thank you, sir. Anything you'd like to say as we wrap up here? Uh, support your local minor league baseball t- team. That's right. Go, go uh, out there and have a beer and watch some fun baseball. Good talking to you, my friend. Thanks, sir. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.